The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week on episode 123. Man, look at us still going at it after all these years. It is a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited for this week. I'm 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 feeling quite good because I I rarely do this because I, I try not to just get caught up in the statistics, but I peeked at the numbers. Uh, for downloads and streams and everything before I started recording. And the numbers continue to be bonkers, man. You guys are really getting into this show. You guys are, I guess, getting something out of it. I'm enjoying very much talking to you. This is so, so cool. I get so motivated by seeing that this show is helping people and you guys are into it. And just thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for getting something out of this show. It makes me happy to know that I'm influencing your life in a positive way, even if it's a small influence. Just glad to hear that we're we're putting points on the board for all of you. That's so, so great. And I'm also feeling good because so far, we're in March now, mid-March, I have stuck to my New Year's resolution. So if you remember from the beginning of the year, I can't remember what podcast episode number it was, But back on the January first episode of the new year of Break the Business podcast back in January, I told you all what my New Year's resolution was, which was I wanted to train for the Miami Marathon. I wanted to spend the whole year training for the Miami Marathon. I've never run a marathon before. I used to run half marathons. It's been a while. It's been about five years since I've ran a half. I was in much better physical condition back then. Um, I, I look at old pictures of myself when I was in peak half marathon form, and I, I just I get a little sad. I'm just like you know I just I look at that and I look at what I am now, and it's just sort of like a what have I become moment, and just oh it's it's just completely heartbreaking. And I I, I want to get back to where I was in terms of just being fit and being healthy five years ago. So I have tried to do that by getting back into my marathon training mode. And so this year, that has been my New Year's resolution. And I am happy to report that here we are in mid-March, and I have stuck with it. I have started my marathon training back in January. It is now mid-March. I have consistently kept up my running schedule. I started out in January doing one to two mile runs a day. I'm, I'm serious, folks. When I tell you that I have just fallen off the exercise wagon, I have fallen off. I am back at zero in terms of my physical fitness. I mean, the first time I went out running back in January, I tried doing one mile. I was winded by the end of it. I mean, it's just, it's all falling apart. Like, just, it's it's a real mess. But so I started on January just doing one to two mile runs because that was all my body can handle. And now here we are in March, and I've now gotten to the point where I can consistently run four to five mile runs without getting, you know, too winded. I'm, I'm going to start doing the five to six mile runs next week. And if I stay on this schedule, I hope to be at marathon level by next January. Clap it up for me, random studio audience. All right. Thank you very much. And I got to tell you, I have all of you to thank for that listeners. I have all of you to just give you my gratitude for, because 
really it's you guys that have inspired me. I mean, when I see the great things you guys are doing in your music career, when I see what you guys are accomplishing, when I follow you on Twitter, I do Twitter stalk all of you, by the way. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm just kind of like following your career, like creepily lurking at you from the shadows. And when I see you guys doing great things, it motivates me. When I see you guys moving your careers forward, achieving milestones, I want to achieve great things right along with you. So you guys have inspired me to try to get healthier. And and so far, it's been working. I have not... I, you guys have kept me honest. I have not fallen off the New Year's resolution wagon. And by the way, I would say mid-March is by far the longest I've held on to a New Year's resolution. So this is already kind of a big moment for me. And hopefully I can stick with it. And I, and I, I implore you guys, keep keep checking in on me. Keep keeping tabs on me. I know a few of you listeners have sent me messages on Twitter. How's the marathon training going? You haven't given up on your New Year's resolution yet, have you, Ryan? And so I appreciate that. Keep it up because I really want to see to the end of this because, God, it would be so cool to run that marathon. And I, and I, I feel closer than ever. Again, thank you for your support there. Um, and by the way, if any of you out there are fitness buffs, are running experts, are exercise aficionados, I assure you, if you are, you know more than I do because I'm just sort of like finding stuff on Google in terms of marathon training and I don't know how reliable it is. But if you're any kind of expert when it comes to distance running or exercising or, you know, investing even the a modicum of time in taking better care of yourself because I don't, I would love to get some advice from you. So if you have any tips on what I could be doing on my marathon training to make myself achieve more success in this, I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R and send me some messages there. You can also email me at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I read all the Break the Business emails that come in. Again, that's breakthebusiness at gmail.com. I am not naturally an athlete, people. I'm really not. Like, I was perpetually picked last in sports. I still have, my, my face is still, you know, you can still see scars from dodgeball injuries from fifth grade on there. Like I was never the most athletic person. And so this is really coming out of my comfort zone to do this kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for your support and I'd be grateful for your advice and how to keep moving forward on that. So again, break the business at gmail.com is how you find me. Our guest this week, so excited to have on Angela Mastro Giacomo. She is a music publicist. She's the CEO of Muddy Paw PR. She's awesome. And frankly, it's about damn time we've had her on because I've just been spending the last few weeks talking about how great some of her articles are. We've been learning a lot about networking just from the stuff she's written that we've talked about on the podcast. And now we get to finally have her on this week. And uh, so we're going to talk to her about effective networking, which is something we all need to get better at. And I'm excited we're going to have an expert to talk to us about it. And we're also going to talk to her about sweet treats because from what I have found from Google stocking Miss Mastro Giacomo is that she is a bit of a aficionado when it comes to cakes and candies and just dessert type stuff. So I want to pick her brain on that stuff because, you know, I kind of want to cancel out all this marathon training I'm doing <laughs> with, uh, with some delicious desserts uh, as recommended to us by CEO of Muddy Paw PR, Angela Mastro Giacomo. So stick around for that. That's going to be an awesome interview. The interviews I've seen from her on YouTube and things like that, she's funny, she's engaging. I mean, if she's not a good interview, if she's not pleasant, like it's going to be my fault as the interviewer for not bringing it out of her because she's just a naturally interesting, bubbly person. So hopefully I can get some of that out of her and we're going to have a nice interview and learn something about networking and dessert along the way. But before we bring Angela in, let's just chat for a little bit. Just you and me, as we are wont to do in this first segment. L let, me, let me tell you this, listeners. 
You got saved this week. You got rescued this week. And let me tell you why. In the first segment of this podcast, the one we do each week, the same first segment that we do, we always pick a topic or two to discuss. It's usually a music industry tip or something that's going on in the entertainment law industry or something about the legal field for sure. That's usually where we like to reside in the first segment. No interviews, just you know, talking about the industry. It's my time to talk to you. And I had a topic for this week. I had some entertainment stories to discuss with you, but I had to tell you I was nervous about these stories. I felt I felt bad in the pit of my stomach about discussing these stories because I thought that you were going to hate these stories because I thought you were going to think they were boring and I you know I was just I was worried because these are the stories that are up in the news right now so that's what I have to talk about but you know you were gonna be bored by them I was gonna talk about the Spotify IPO snore boring Miley Cyrus she's fighting a completely bogus copyright lawsuit snore boring and and I know you guys don't like it when I get really deep into that kind of entertainment law weeds and so I didn't know what to do because that's what I was gonna talk about because that's all that was going on and I, you know, I, I was afraid that you were going to be upset and that you weren't going to like this, the, the first segment this week. But then something awesome happened. A listener email came in yesterday and it was so much better than the stories that I was going to talk about. And so now we got blessed with better content. We get something much better to talk about than my boring ass stories. So you listeners, you got saved by good content. I got saved because I don't have to talk about boring content. That the, the crappy entertainment law news that I was going to talk about is gone. And now we get the content of a cool listener email to discuss on the air. By the way, guys, I say this all the time. This is why it's important for you guys to email questions that you want us to answer on this podcast. Because when I'm answering your questions, when we're discussing topics that you want us to discuss on this show, the show is always so much better. And this is another example of that. I love this email that I'm about to read. And I feel like... What this what this email writer is going to talk about is something that many, if not all of you musicians, have surely encountered some version of this in the past. You've all felt some version of what this email writer is writing, so we're all going to learn something from this, so I'm excited. But here's the email. I got this in yesterday. Hi, Ryan. I just found out about the podcast a couple weeks ago. I'm starting to get into it, but honestly, I might be losing interest. Not because of your show, which I think is awesome. Well, thank God I was worried from the first part of that whole losing interest thing. Um, But because, honestly, I think I'm ready to give up on the music thing altogether. I've been trying for years to become a successful enough artist to support myself on my music, but it's just not happening for me. I made an album, but I get very few downloads. My personal life is kind of a mess, and it's hard to get motivated. I love music more than anything, and I can't imagine doing anything else. But I am failing over and over, and it is too hard for me. Should I give up? Tell me, listeners, that you've never felt some version of that before. Like, this is an email for... What I'm about to say is for the one person who's writing it, but it's for all of us. Because that email writer is all of us. We've all been there. Musician or not, I'm not a musician. I'm a, I'm a pretty, you know, mediocre musician. And so I don't make a career out of making music. But even I understand what this person's going through. We've all felt this self-doubt. We've all run into walls before. 
And so I'm glad that we get to make that the topic this week as opposed to me talking about the Spotify IPO. (sighs) Exactly. That was boring. This is not boring. So what I would say to the email writer is, I mean, look, I've never heard your music before, email writer. So I don't know what kind of skill you have. So I, I don't really know. So I can't really answer as much on whether or not you should give up because honestly, you know, if you if you don't have, you know, the minimum requisite level of chops, then you might be spinning your wheels. Um, but I will say this. Uh, you, and by the way, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this in the second person. Cause I, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is for all of you, but I'm, I'm going to say this to the person who wrote this email. So that's kind of the, uh, cause it's just easier that way. Cause I'm answering an email. So that's how we're going to say it. But you email writer, you did say something in that email. That is something I have heard over and over from many of the successful indie artists that I've heard on this podcast. So I don't know how talented you are, but what I do know is you said the thing that I have heard every successful indie artist say, which is, I love music more than anything, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Every successful artist I've had on this show, the ones that are achieving amazing things, that have that are fully paying their bills off of their music talent, they all say that. You know, they say, maybe I could do other things and make more money, but damn it, if this is not the only thing I can see myself doing. And so... I don't know about your talent, because again, I've never heard you play before, but you have the right mindset. You have the makings of a great musician, entrepreneur, when you say something like that. So your head's in the right place. I will grant you that. And so that's a good thing to start. Now, you said in your email that you're having trouble finding motivation. Boy, I can, I can understand that. We've all felt that way from time to time. I'm not even a musician. I'm just a lawyer and a business person. And even I can understand that because I'm always struck by bouts where I lose my motivation, where even the things that I love about what I do, I just can't get myself out of bed to do it because maybe I feel like I've, I'm hitting a wall on something that's important or I can't figure out the next step in some grand scheme of what I want to do. And I could, and I just get drained and I just need to step away from what I'm doing for a while. But one of the things that I do when I lose motivation And maybe you might want to try this too, listener. As I try to find people out in the world that have achieved great things and have overcome great obstacles to do it. Because when I hear their stories, I find that I get motivated. You know, when I when I see people who who have been down and they climb back up and they claw themselves back to where they want to be, I find I get out of my rut really quickly. And so I encourage you, email writer, to do that as well. And one way you can do that, and it's a way that I do it too, is go back and listen to some of the old episodes of this podcast where we've had guests on who have overcome adversity and achieved great things. It's actually something I do when I'm feeling down, when, when the motivation's just not there. I'll go back and listen to certain interviews on the podcast, on my own podcast. I know that's super conceited and everything, but I mean, some of these interviewees are really inspiring to me, and I'll go back and listen to them, and it will motivate me. So I'm going to give you a few past guests we've had on the show that we've interviewed. I'll, I'll give you the episode numbers right now, and you can listen to them, and hopefully their particularly inspirational stories will motivate you and give you the motivation you need. So back in episode 115, we interviewed somebody named Graham Cochran. Uh, this guy's awesome. 
Uh, he's he runs a, a blogging and educational platform called Recording Revolution. It gives lo- musicians great tips on how to get the right gear for their music, how to build their own home studio. He's got a lot of great stuff on there. Check it out, Recording Revolution. Um, but he also had a piece in his interview where he talked about uh, when things were really down for him, and he still managed to pull himself back up. Before he founded the Recording Revolution, he was unemployed. He had a wife and a family. But he had no job because he he had this startup that went bankrupt. He put everything into the startup. It failed, and he didn't know what to do next. And over the course of years, he started this blog, The Recording Revolution, really put a lot of sweat equity into it, really worked hard, found something that really resonated with people, and just went from there and has done amazing things. And now he's got this platform, The Recording Revolution. So check out episode 115, and you can probably learn a lot about how to claw yourself back up when things just seem their darkest. And in that same vein, you might want to check out episode 105 as well to and uh, hear from The Glass Child, a.k.a. Charlotte Erickson. She's a fantastic indie artist. She's a great writer, now a podcaster. She's got her own podcast now called Behind the Glass, which is lovely it's it's in its second episode now i i listen to it religiously now but her story is really amazing too she she moved to the united kingdom when she was 18 years old to start her music career she had no money in her pocket living on the streets and started from zero and now she's got her own record company and she's making music and she's doing cool things and so she started from nothing and now has so much so you can learn a lot from her um just in terms of how to claw yourself back up and get motivated as an entrepreneur, you might want to check out episode 89 and hear from our friends Guy and Elon Ferdman from Satori Prime. They're awesome entrepreneurs. They built a business empire from nothing or less than nothing. That episode's actually one of our most popular episodes, so that might be worth checking out. And then perhaps what I think is the most inspirational story we've ever had on this podcast. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've been through. You listen to this person's story, you'll think that you can conquer the world because of what she's been able to do. And that's episode 67 when we talked to Mandy Harvey. If you don't know who Mandy Harvey is, um, she is a wonderful singer-songwriter. She started off kind of in jazz, and I think she's kind of moved more into pop now. But her story will blow your mind because if you listen to her music, she's one of the she's got one of the best voices I've heard. Like her voice is just it's 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 like sunshine. It is it is oral sunshine. Just wonderful voice, and you know, great musician. You know, great ukulele player, and is completely deaf. And I know that seems counterintuitive. I mean, how can a musician be a great musician and not be able to hear what she's doing? But that's exactly what she's done. When she was eighteen years old, as a music student in college, she just lost her hearing. She had uh, a a a medical issue with her hearing that her doctors, I think even today still don't fully know what happened to her, but her ear, her hearing just slowly went away until one day it was gone. And it would have been really easy for her at that point to say, well, I guess I'm done with music. (laughs) This is, I lost a sense that I think is probably the most important one in terms of having a music career. And so it would, nobody would have blamed her if she left music and did something else, but she didn't. She stayed with it, and it turned out that with her own hard work and her own talent, her pitch was perfect enough that she didn't actually need to hear a note to be able to sing a note. And 
Now she has had a great music career. Since she was on our podcast, she competed on the NBC show America's Got Talent, finished in second place, won the the golden buzzer thing from Simon Cowell. I mean, if you can get Simon Cowell to be impressed by you, that says something. But And now she's touring the world, playing music. And just, I mean, she never ceases to amaze me. She's one of the most incredible people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. And, I mean, I spoke, I had her on the show well before she became a household name on America's Got Talent or anything. And I remember even thinking back then, man, she's going to be a star. This is an incredible story, and she's an incredible talent. And so you should check that out. Episode 67, we have an amazing conversation together, and it'll blow your mind. Um, And so another thing I see from the listener's email is you talked about how you have had trouble making progress in your music career and you know you you've been trying to sell your album and you haven't made a lot of success and to what i would say to that listener is don't feel like you only need to make money one way in the music business i mean if you're telling me you're making an album and trying to sell it i mean that is granted the most conventional way for an artist to try to make income in the music industry and certainly 20 years ago that was the centerpiece of any musician's money-making operation in the music business. But something really cool has happened in the last five years in the music business where there are more available revenue streams now than there ever have been. There's so many different ways that an artist like you can make a buck in the music business. And there are artists who are making a lot of money, who are supporting themselves, who are paying their rent and then some, And they don't sell a lot of records because they find other revenue streams that work better for them. And we've had a few artists on the show who have shown us other fantastic revenue streams that musicians can explore. And and you might want to check out some of those. And and I can give you a few here, just kind of jog your memory. And and if you're not trying any of these, you might want to think about it and see if you can diversify your revenue streams a bit to more than just trying to sell downloads. Uh, Twitch has shown itself to be a great way for musicians to build their fan base and maybe even make money. A lot of artists are using live streaming platforms like Twitch to build their fan base, to, you know, to perform without ever having to leave their house. Imagine being able to perform to a worldwide audience and you don't even have to, you know, get in your car. That's what Twitch and other live streaming platforms do to you. There are even artists who have monetized on Twitch they can, you know, create like tip jars and things like that. And there are some artists who are making a really good living and they don't even have to leave their house because they do concerts on platforms like Twitch, Stage It, Facebook Live, etc. Um, and you can find out more about how to achieve success on Twitch by checking out episode 121. Um, another cool way to uh, find a revenue stream as an artist, sync placements. Um, getting your music placed in movies, Television shows, commercials, video games, YouTube videos. This is becoming a huge market for musicians. There are multiple revenue streams just from sync placements. You get paid when your music is actually made into the video, and then you get performance royalties if your music's played on television and in movie theaters and things like that. This can be lucrative for musicians. If you make the kind of music that you could see being on a TV show or in a commercial, this can be a great revenue stream for you, listener or email writer. Uh, for more information about how to you know, find good sync placements, a good place to look would be episode 111. We talked to Holly Mayer, 
of uh, the other Nashville Society. She has some great insight on that. Um, don't feel like you have to just sell copies of an album either. Uh, think about what DJ Spruik told us back in episode 97 about how he doesn't make copies of albums. He makes personalized albums for each fan where every fan gets their own unique album of music and their fans are willing to pay a premium for that kind of service. And you can check that out by uh, listening to our episode 97 interview with DJ Spruik. And finally, um, another. what are some other revenue streams that come to mind? Ah, house concerts. So don't feel like you have to book concerts in big clubs anymore. There are lots of artists these days who are traveling the country playing concerts at people's houses. Episode 81, talk to Jessica Alossery. <laughs> we talked to Jessica Alossery about that. Um, great insight on how to, you know, really make a lot of money and, you know, travel the country just by performing at people's houses and not even at venues. So... Um, those are just some of the many, 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 many revenue streams that are available to you as an artist, where if you feel like you're not making headway selling downloads or trying to get streams for your music, don't despair. It just means you got to cast your net a little wider. And you can do that in the new music industry because there are more revenue streams than ever. Uh, finally, from your email, uh, I heard you, letter writer, talking about some of the personal difficulties you're having in your life, that your personal life is a bit of a mess and gosh, first, what I would say to that is I'm very sorry to hear that that's tough and it is something that you want to take care of. And I would at a minimum say, if this is really tough for you, you might want to look into seeing a therapist. There's no shame in that. We've many of the listeners here. You've probably seen therapists before. I have seen a therapist before when I've gone through tough times in my life. It's it's a really regular part of a lot of people's life, and it doesn't show that you're weak. In fact, a far more impressive demonstration of strength is to acknowledge that you're having some trouble and seeking help for it. And that might go a long way in helping you out. And along the way, it can be important for you to practice good self-care. If you don't take good care of yourself, if you don't get your mind and your body in a good place you're always going to have more difficulty finding success in your career. And we've had a couple great guests in the past on this podcast that have talked about the importance of self-care and how to practice good self-care. Back on episode 117, the fantastic ladies of Women Crush Music guest hosted the podcast, Ashley Curvabon and her team, and they had a whole episode about self-care, and it was awesome, awesome. I encourage you to check it out. And Suzanne Paulinski, a music industry consultant and a psychologist, uh, also known as the rock star advocate. She was on the show in episode 101 and she talked about self-care as well. So those are a couple great resources that you can look to and email writer. If you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you want to reach out to me again, I'm happy to send you a copy of my book and see if you might find some good ideas there and how to move your career forward. All right. See, wasn't that better than hearing me talk about Spotify's IPO? I certainly think so. Angela Mastro Giacomo coming up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support.
Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a blogger, music publicist, and the CEO of Muddy Paw PR. She has spoken at South by Southwest and Canadian Music Week and writes regularly for Sonic Bids, Reverb Nation, and TuneCore. You can find out more about her by visiting muddypawpr.com and angelamastrogiacomo.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Angela Mastrogiacomo is on the Break the Business podcast. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. I want to start off by saying that I think you have the coolest sounding last name of any person <laughs> we've interviewed on this podcast. And you should know that I've had a guest on this show whose name literally was Dave Cool. <laughs> so. Well, that's quite a compliment. That's the first time I've ever had that particular compliment, and it might be one of my favorites. I find that hard to believe. I mean, like, that's a cool name. Like, that sounds like a name that if a Hollywood screenwriter, like, named a character that name, like, it, the script supervisor would just kick it back, being like, that that name is way too cool. Nobody's going to think that's real. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like it. So um, mostly people just get really tripped up by it. And they, they're like, how do you even say that? And I'm like, it's, it's exactly like it looks. And you got it right away. So yeah. you know. Our, our next speaker, Angela Mastra. Big A, how's it going? <laughs> um, well, so let's get right into the hard-hitting, tough journalism questions here. I don't want to waste your time. I've seen online that you have a legendary affinity for sweet treats. So I want to <laughs> ask the expert, the best candy of all time is blank. Uh, Reese's. Re oh, good choice. <laughs> you, chocolate and peanut butter together. Oh, man, you, you are after my own heart. Okay, <laughs> one more candy question because I, I've, the, the, the world has been divided on this when I've asked people this question, but I got the expert here. Giving people miniature fun-sized candy at Halloween, is that a jerk move or not a jerk move? Well, it's kind of torture because you... <laughs> I just, to me, it's like it's torture. One because it's smaller, but also because you somehow think you're being healthier by eating like five small ones instead of one big one. So I don't know. It's it's I don't know how to feel about it. But I, the reason I do like miniatures, I will say this is because you can get several different kinds, right? So you can get a Kit Kat and a Reese's and a Milky Way, and and you can have your little tasting. So there's that benefit. Well, and plus, as a Reese's fan as you are, I mean. The miniaturized version of that is the Reese's Pieces, which is a fantastic candy. It's very good. I, I, on the topic of Reese's, my favorite yes, is when they when they come out with the um, the holiday themed ones, like the trees or the eggs. Those are like the best ever because there's so much peanut butter in them. Oh so my good. god, you're so right. We don't even need to talk music, right? Let's we got let's do 20 candy. minutes on candy. The fans will enjoy it. Now. Um, so. Uh, it, it would be an injustice if we didn't talk about some of the fantastic stuff you've done in your career. So before you became a publicist, you were primarily a blogger. And I'm sort of curious, did that work inform your work in PR, perhaps because it gave you some insight into what blogs might be looking for when you're when deciding whether to give one of your clients a placement? Oh, definitely. I think it's a, a huge advantage. Um, and it's I mean, it's kind of the whole reason that I even thought to start the PR company in the first place was because I'd been on the receiving end of press releases so long. Um, and I'd also sort of accidentally built up all these connections in the music industry. So, you know, I knew what bloggers wanted in a pitch and I knew what worked and what didn't um, and, and kind of like how to angle it all around the blogger, which I think is hugely beneficial because being a publicist, I mean, you're getting paid as a publicist, you're not getting paid as a blogger. So I think otherwise, you can tend to get lost as a publicist in, um, you know, like, serving the artist, which of course you want to do, but 
I, I think the blogger tends to get lost in that sometimes and you tend to, it, it can be easy to forget like they're doing this for free, it's grueling work, you know, it's difficult. Um, so I think having that experience and sort of empathy for that community has been a, a really a really nice asset. So for an artist who maybe is trying to get blog placements and does not have muddy PR, muddy paw PR behind them, uh, what are some things that an artist can do maybe with their with their press release, with their bio, to really make it blogger friendly? How do you keep a blogger in mind when presenting yourself to them? Well, you know, I think a, a big part of it. I mean, there's so many components, but. It's really a networking thing, or I should say like a relationship building thing. You know, there's, there's a lot of little things you can do as far as the actual content, you know, such as making sure that the bio is professionally written and the press release is professionally written, um, making sure that your pitch has certain things in it, like, you know, a certain length or making sure you're personalizing it. Um, that's a big one for me is that, you know, I, I used to get a lot of press releases at the blog that would, you know, either just have the wrong name or somehow they would spell it wrong, which and Angela is not even a difficult name to spell. Um, or like they got the first name wrong. I know exactly, exactly. Um, or just just a, like a myriad of other mistakes. So a big part of it, I think, is if you can personalize it, not just with their name, but also saying something like, you know, hey, I saw that article you wrote on the front bottoms, and I just saw them this past October, and I loved them. You know, something to show that you've you've sort of taken the time and you've invested in them a little bit. I think that's you know that's certainly a lot more likely to catch their eye than if you're just like, hey, check out my music, you know, write this. But even beyond that, it's much bigger as far as establishing these relationships and sort of investing the time to to build them because blogs get so many, even the smallest blogs will get hundreds of emails a week. So that's why having that relationship and kind of like either taking the time to build it yourself or, or hiring a publicist who has is so important. Very well said. Let's let's talk a little bit more about networking and relationship building. You wrote a great article a couple weeks back in Hypebot called How to Successfully Build Relationships in the Music Industry. I loved it. We talked all about it back on episode 120 of the podcast. I run into musicians all the time, Angela, who know that it's important for them to meet people in the industry, and they, they tell me that, but they don't really know how to do it, or at least that's what they indicate to me. And in the article, one of the things you talked about is making your own opportunities to build relationships. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's one of my favorite ones. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to, to go about it. I think in general, in the music industry, we can get kind of stuck in waiting around and like waiting for other people to sort of make our dreams come true. And that's probably not going to happen. So when I say make your own opportunities, you know, there's a couple ways you can do it. You know, one of the ways is you can, um, like the way I've always done it is for instance, to start a meetup. So, um, like if you want to, if you want to meet with people in your community, um, that are in the music industry, other bands or industry professionals, and there's not something that exists. If you're like, oh, I live in a small town, there's nothing like that. Well, then, like, make your own meetup, you know? It, invite people. Maybe it'll only be uh, three people the first week, but then maybe a month later it'll be five people, and in two months it'll be ten people, and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's that's one of my favorite ways to to sort of make your own opportunities. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of other ways as well. You know, you can get involved in Facebook groups. You can attend conferences. Um, really anything where you're taking the reins and going, okay, this is what I want. How do I make it happen? Um, and then actually doing it rather than just waiting for somebody else to, to provide the opportunity for you. I love this meetup idea. What for, for a musician who's considering this, what would be your platform or vehicle of choice for getting that meetup started? Something like meetup.com or Facebook, or is there another one that you like? 
I would actually use Facebook. I mean, I'm not really, to be honest, like a huge fan of Meetup. And, and also Meetup um, charges a small fee. So that's not ideal when you're sort of testing the waters for something. Mm. What I've always done for for Meetups, um, especially when I'm, you know, like even now I'm, I'm getting ready to go on a trip and I'm, I'm sort of trying to gather people in like D.C. as well as uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I only know a handful of people there. So what I do is I'll go on Facebook and the first thing I'll do is if I know anybody in that area, um, which presumably if you're starting it in your own town, you know at least one other person. And I say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Can you do any intros? Do you know anyone? And then the other thing I do is I go in different Facebook groups. And there's a lot of them. There's there's a lot of music industry networking groups. Um, in fact, there's one that's actually called the Music Industry Networking Group. And that's a big conglomeration of people from all over. And then I'll usually post in there and say something like, you know, I, does anyone live in this area? I'd, I'd love to get together um, and it's really as simple as that and then starting to gather that people that way and trusting that, uh, you know, as as you do the meetups, word of mouth will, will help it spread. But initially, yeah, I'm just a big fan of utilizing Facebook groups and my existing connections um, and even, you know, even just posting on your own timeline. Like today I did that. I said, does anyone live in these areas? Um, and somebody who doesn't live in those areas actually commented and said, I don't, but I do know somebody who's involved. Let me connect you. So yeah, that's definitely my, my favorite way to go about it. Oh, so you don't, it doesn't need to be big right away. You start with that group and give it a chance to grow. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, one of my favorite examples of that is this, this music industry meetup that I'm a part of called Balanced Breakfast, which is now in like 25, it's over 25 cities. It might even be over 30 cities at this point. And it started back in 2013 and it was just the two founders, Stefan and Andy, they were just getting together to talk shop and it was just the two of them. And then they invited a couple friends and then it was like five of them. And then it grew to a point where, you know, now it's like 30 plus people a week. So, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing to start off with. It can just be a couple people and that can still be really, really valuable. Oh yeah, you should. You guys should check that out. They have branches all over the country, and the chances are there's a balanced breakfast group near where you live. That's awesome. So, back on episode 120, another thing that we talked about using your article as sort of a lens to explore it is this idea of networking for people who are naturally not good at networking. The kind of people who <laughs> who have some trepidation about just walking up to a person at a cocktail party or an industry event and just making small talk, maybe because of shyness or introversion, whatever it is. So for those folks out there, and there's many of them in the music business that have trouble making small talk in that way, what are some other ways that people can build industry relationships that might work better for them? Besides in person, do you mean? Or even in person? Okay. So yeah, I know, I mean, the the industry, it's like there's, including myself, is just full of introverts. So I definitely get that. And if you're truly shy about it and you're, you're really uncomfortable in person, I mean, that's, again, like going back to social media, it's such a strong platform. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of different places, you know, commenting and, and um, on other people's tweets or Instagram feeds, like those are all good. Again, my, my favorite platform for this really is Facebook and, and specifically Facebook groups. I just think they are so valuable and I think it's such a good way when you find a good one, um, which I, I linked to a bunch of really good ones in that article, because, you know, of course, there's a lot that are just like filled with spam. But I think if you find a good Facebook group, um, whether it's just generic music industry or specific to your genre or specific to your local scene, I think getting in there and getting involved is, a, is one of the best ways to network. And when I say get involved, you know, 
I mean, like commenting on other people's posts, offering your advice. I think a general rule of thumb to follow, to be honest, kind of in the music industry in general, but, you know, specific to this example as well, is that you should be always giving more than you take. So, you know, you should be going into these groups and not just like asking questions constantly and then not commenting on anything. Um, but, you know, spend a half hour a week going into, the, um, you know, a couple of the groups that you're a part of and going, okay, what can I, like, what can I lend my knowledge to on this? Like, where is somebody asking for advice that I have experienced and I can, um, and I can give them this advice and I can offer my expertise because the more you give and the more people see your name popping up, not only do they start to recognize you, right? So it's familiarity, um, but it's also starting to establish you as an expert and people will start to seek you out and, um, and want to talk to you and work with you. And, and so that's why I say like, even though it's a sort of an initial time investment, truly being able to give more than you take in this industry, whether it's through Facebook groups or connecting people or whatever it is, that's, that's really one of the most powerful ways to, to truly build relationships and network. Again, that article in Hypebot and TuneCore blog and about a bunch of other things, because anytime you write an article for any of those publications, it, it gets reposted in like 400 different outlets, <laughs> I've found in my experience. Uh, the article is called How to Successfully Build Relationships in the music industry. Um, so talking about social media to build relationships, can we can we dig a little more into what not to do when trying to build relationships on social media? Because I can tell you, I, I see it all the time where my inbox gets filled with people who are just spamming me, where their idea of social network building, you know, relationship building is buy my album, buy my album, click my website, you know, check this out. And, you know, that you know, a lot of artists kind of fall into that trap. And what other, what, what are some more healthy ways to kind of promote yourself or to, to build those yeah. relationships? Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> it happens so often. It's, it's kind of along the same lines. And I'm, I'm sure your listeners have heard this over and over again, but you know, even when you're talking about how do I engage my fans on social media? I mean, you hear over and over things like you need to build your brand, you need to provide them with value. And that means, um, that means providing them with things other than just your music or just your shows. It means like showing them who you are through, you know, whatever it is, whether it's articles or photos or whatever, but just sort of building your, your brand and, and being very clear and vulnerable and like who you are as a, as a person or as an entity, as a band. And so it's kind of the same thing with networking where, you know, if you, it's just, again, it's like all about building that relationship. So, you know, I mentioned this example before, but if you're approaching a blog, for instance, it's very rude to just send an email that's like, do you want to check out my music? Because I, the answer is no. Like, I don't want to check out your music. <laughs> you know, so like it might be the greatest song I've ever heard. But if I don't have any emotional uh, response to your email, then I'm not even going to get as far as clicking that song to find that out. So, you know, if you if you want somebody to invest their time in you, then you need to invest some time in them. So in the case of a blog, that means, like I said, you know, commenting on an article that they wrote and being specific about it. If somebody sees this person took the time to invest in something I care about, then they're going to, they're, or I should say they're more likely to then take the time to look at what you sent them. But if you can't prove that you have taken the time to invest in someone, then it's kind of absurd to ask that they take the time to invest in you, right? So, you know, that can be with a blog or even if you're just approaching somebody about a show, you know, I mean, everybody's different, but again, it's like, I really think it's a matter of establishing that base relationship first. It, you can't sort of 
you can't just sort of barge into somebody's life and be like, here's what you can do for me. Um, because it doesn't work. You know, you, you need to, you need to one establish the relationship and a personal connection. So if you can find out something about them that bonds you, that's a great place to start. Like I used, this is a great example. I, somebody approached me the other day, they'd heard me on a podcast and they, they liked what I had to say, but they had some follow-up questions. And so they, they sent this email with these follow-up questions, but before they even asked me questions, basically before they asked anything of me, they did something for me. They had done a little bit of research on my social media. They saw that I loved desserts. And so right at the front of the email, they were like, you were great on this podcast, which number one, compliment. That's great. That catches my attention. And then number two, they said, um, I know you love desserts. So here's a recipe to these delicious Welsh cakes from um, my home country. Wow. I was like, this is so great. And I thought this is, this is what artists should be doing. Like, this is how you network. This is how you build relationships. Now I want to answer your questions because you're paying attention um, and you've invested in me. Right. So I think that's like a perfect example of how artists should behave, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> listeners, if you, you, you're getting the advice here. The way to PR, acclaimed PR maven, <laughs> Angela Master Giacomo's heart. If you want her to get back to you on emails, if you want her help in this business, sweet recipes. It's, it, but it's like so perfect. <laughs> and, it, but it, and it could be for anyone. Like I remember hearing, um, I remember hearing Kevin Lyman talk once about Warp Tour and like people wanting to talk to him. And I guess he's really big on barbecue and stuff. And I remember him saying kind of the same thing where if somebody came up to him, and was like, started talking to him about, you know, barbecue recipes or like fishing or something, or these things that he had an interest in, um, before they asked him for any favors, he would get into this conversation, um, and he would get excited, right? Because it's the things he likes. And, and it's just kind of a natural thing that if you, if you appeal to what the person likes rather than what they can do for you, then you're a lot more likely to get their attention and, and, and just, you know, show them what you can do for them, um, versus, or like rather than vice versa. Yeah, and it shows that you did your homework, that you took some time, that you know right. you're, you're interested in a real relationship and not just a transaction that only benefits you. Well, exactly. Sage advice. I really like that. Um, so you can check her out, folks, at uh, her website, AngelaMastroGiacomo.com. And of course, if you're interested in her services for on the PR side, that's muddy, MuddyPawPR.com. Angela, before we let you go, uh, I'm excited to ask you this question. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? I know I've really said this one like 20 times now, but, <laughs> and this is what the whole thing is about, but really that relationship building is everything. Um, that and letting people help you, you know, I think that, and I, I was guilty of this when I first entered the industry, I wanted to do everything myself. I was afraid to let anyone help me. I was afraid to ask people for advice because I thought, oh, they'll think I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned in the decade that I've been in this industry, it's that you cannot do anything alone. You absolutely need a team. Um, and so, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. You'd be really surprised how many people are willing and eager to, to help you and to just, and, and just to be a part of the community. It's, it, it makes all the difference. Yeah, we're all in this together, folks. Um, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Angela on that. Whenever I get emails from people, um, I always answer them back. I, I You'd be surprised how much people want to help others in this industry, particularly if you lead with a delicious recipe in Angela's case. <laughs> Angela, it has been a pleasure. This has been wonderful. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Angela Mastro Giacomo for joining us in the previous segment. Be sure to find out more about her and her PR services by visiting www.angelamastrogiacomo.com and muddypawpr.com. And again, if you want the spelling on that magnificent last name, it is M-A-S-T-R-O-G-I-A-C-O-M-O. That should help you when you're Logging into what I am sure is a great website of hers. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on our four platforms, iTunes 1, SoundCloud 2, Google Play 3, Stitcher 4. And when you are there, I encourage you, I implore you, I beseech you, I ask you politely to throw us a nice rating, give us a nice review, subscribe to us so that the podcast comes right into your inbox or wherever you get your podcasts every Sunday uh, where we uh, will hopefully give you more of this great music industry goodness. You can reach out to the Break the Business podcast by emailing us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com if you have a question you want us to answer on the show, like that terrific one that we answered in the first segment, or if there's a topic you want us to discuss or just something you want to let us know about, that's where you email us, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, and I hope you do. I'm at Ryan K-A-I-R. That's my first name and the first four letters of my last name. And like us on Break the Business. Let me try that again. Like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash break the business. That makes a lot more sense. Be sure to check out my book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook, author narrated. If you enjoy hearing this voice uh, for reasons escaping my understanding, you can check out the audiobook as well. It's all on Amazon. And hey, if you like what we're doing around here and you want to throw us some measure of support, the best thing you can do, the thing that would really make me happy, just tell a friend about us. It's honestly the best kind of podcast promotion there is. It works better than targeted ads and advertising and all that stuff. Just you tell a friend. It's really how we've built this audience. It's just through word of mouth. And, you know, the numbers have been great and it makes me happy and it keeps me motivated to keep doing this great show for you. And telling a friend is what's helped us move forward. So again, for my from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much. I want to close this week by telling a personal story from this past week. It's only, I'll tell you now, that the story is only tangentially related to the music industry, but sometimes I like to kind of go off script a little bit if I think that something came up that's just in my head and is of interest to me and hopefully it'll be interest to you as well. Ever since the Vegas shooting happened back in October, we've talked a bit on this podcast about the importance of common sense gun legislation and how not only is having common sense gun legislation, I'm not talking about getting rid of the Second Amendment, but, you know, a few good common sense reforms that have bipartisan support 
getting those things in place isn't just a moral issue for all of us, but for musicians specifically, it's a pocketbook issue. When shootings like the one in Las Vegas happen, it puts your fans at risk and ultimately hurts your bottom line as musicians. As entrepreneurs, you have a responsibility to advocate for legislation that's good for your business. And common sense gun legislation is good for your business. Your fans need to be safe when they go to concerts. You need to be safe when you go to concerts. Because if people no longer feel safe, then they stop going. And the, a plurality of, in, of, of most musicians' income, and for some the majority, some for the entirety of your income, comes from live performances. If people are afraid to go to concerts because of what happened in Vegas then ultimately your livelihood is at risk. So this is something that we've needed to, we need to fight for as musicians and lovers of the music industry alike. And I'll tell you, the need for common sense gun laws has been all the more amplified, at least in the South Florida area and nationwide as well, ever since the Parkland shooting last month. Um, terrible school shooting. Happened not too far from where I live. Parkland is just one county over. You know, it's maybe a 45-minute drive from my hometown. And it hits me because not only is it geographically close, but education is something I'm very passionate about. When I'm not helping clients in the music industry, I also have an education law practice. I work with schools. I work with nonprofits. I work with education tech companies, a lot of different organizations and clients that are involved in the education industry. I I even I teach as well. I, I, I teach at a college that primarily serves high school students. It's kind of a dual enrollment sort of model. And, you know, uh, teaching and education has always been something that's important to me. And so when I hear about school shootings, when they happen, it, it hits home for me. You know, when I see what happens to these students, I, I envision my students and it's... It's tough. And when things like this happen in Parkland, it only all the more amplifies the need for the sort of common sense gun laws that we've talked about needing to have on this podcast. And all of this got brought even more to a head last week on March 14th when there was a national school walkout. Uh, It happened at 10 a.m. schools across the country on March 14th. I mean, I work in education law, so I'm at schools a lot, and I happen to be at a school, a high school in the South Florida area, that same day. So I was at a school the day of the walkout, and it was, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened, because it was, uh, it was something else. <laughs> um, so the, I knew the walkout was going to happen at 10, and I sort of looked outside at the front of the school where the doors were. And I saw that there were school officials everywhere swarming the front of the campus. And I'd be lying to you if I said that didn't make me nervous. Because I was concerned about these kids and I was concerned about them being disciplined. And in that moment, my First Amendment hat, you know, became permanently fixated to my head. And I I was afraid that with all those, you know, school officials around... That the moment those kids walked out, because there were going to be a bunch of kids walking out, that there was going to be, you know, you know, like a dragnet kind of thing, like a bunch of these kids, they were going to swoop on these kids and immediately, like, 
you know, maybe arrest them or at least, you know, punish them very harshly. And I'm not a First Amendment lawyer. I don't work with it, but I know enough about the First Amendment to know that you cannot punish these students for expressing their First Amendment rights any more than you would punish them for leaving class for any other reason. Like you can't tack on additional punishment because they're trying to fight for gun reforms. And so I just, I kind of think, I thought to myself, oh, maybe I should stay out here and just see what happens and just make sure that no kid gets um, overly punished. And I was really worried because this pocket of Miami skews a little conservative. And I think a lot of these adults that were there, they probably skewed a little conservative would probably want, you know, these students to just stay in class and not protest. And so I expected the worst and I didn't want these kids to, you know, get into a whole lot of trouble. And so my heart's beating fast as the seconds are counting down to 10 o'clock and then 10 o'clock hits and maybe 30 seconds after some of the kids start to filter out and I'm like, oh God, here it goes. You know, all these school officials that are out there are going to descend on these kids and it's going to be a mess. And what happens instead is that these school officials slowly walk to the kids and they stand with them. And the principal comes out and the assistant principal comes out and he stands with the kids too. And they proceed to all stand together and talk about their feelings about school shootings and the principals have a forum with the students where they get to talk to them about the students feelings about wanting to be safe in school and everybody listened to everybody and they had a great conversation and probably the coolest part is that maybe about five or ten minutes into the walkout a local elected official a legislator came by and spoke with the kids as well. And now this wasn't a campaign event. Like this politician wasn't looking for publicity. He didn't have a camera crew around him or reporters around him. He just happened to be in the area and he wanted to talk to some constituents. And this politician, by the way, skewed very conservative and had a very different set of beliefs than the students who were walking out. But that politician still stayed with those students listened to their concerns. They had a very respectful conversation. All these students with this elected official, they you know, had a great conversation. They brainstormed solutions. They listened to each other. And maybe they didn't agree on everything, but it was respectful. It was fruitful. The kids were tough. You know, they, they really held this politician's feet to the fire and asked tough questions, but it was ultimately respectful. And after about a half hour of this discussion and all these kids out, in the middle of the courtyard, everybody went back inside and it was, they continued with the school day. And the only reason that all those school officials were out there is they just wanted to make sure that none of the kids wandered into the street where they'd be unsafe. But ultimately everybody there wanted to respect the students right to protest. And they understood the students general fear about being unsafe in school and them wanting to do something about it. And it was, I mean, I was so shocked because I expected the worst and what I saw instead was, wonderful. It was the United States at its best. It was everything that I love about this country. And, and look, did it, did we solve any problems that day? Did all those kids with all those adults and the elected official, did they fix school shootings forever? Did they fix gun control forever? No, but 
I'll tell you, I'd be lying to you if I, if I told you that, that moment didn't give me a lot of hope. It was really, really nice to see. It was the sort of moment that reminded me of what the best of this country can be, where you had other schools that were suspending students for walking out, or even I've heard reports of corporal punishment in some schools to students for walking out. This school turned it into a teachable moment. They turned it into a dialogue. They turned it into a forum where people who have a difference of opinion could come together, calmly discuss the issues, have the opportunity to change each other's minds. Everybody got to be heard and nobody got suspended. It was fantastic. And when I see moments like that, even in the face of all the darkness that's been brought about by seeing these horrifying school shootings, I can't help but still have a prevailing sense of optimism. And as much as this generation gets mocked as being the generation of entitled millennials and, you know, oh, they eat their avocado toast or whatever kind of nonsense that, you know, the media talks about the young people, I am infinitely impressed by that generation, by those young people. They are fantastic. They are the most intelligent, most thoughtful, most empathetic, and most outspoken generation that I've seen in my lifetime. And I am so optimistic for when those young people start to become voters and they start to become our leaders. I think this country is going to be in much, much better shape. And yeah, so the whole thing gave me a lot of hope for the future. Seeing people from all sides come together and, you know, respect each other and ultimately make progress. So hopefully that story made you feel some good as well. Because I know this is not an easy time for any of us, but I do think there is a path to head. All right. Our thanks to Angela Mastro Giacomo for joining us this week. And my thanks to all of you, as always, for listening to the Break the Business podcast. We'll see you next week.